Hey guys, I'm senior editor Britt Smith, and welcome to Men's Journal's One-on-One. This is a new podcast where we feature open, dynamic conversations with your favorite Men's Journal personalities. We recently sat down with Oscar winner Matthew McConaughey to discuss his new book, Green Lights. Aside from his writing process, reporter Jesse Will got McConaughey to wax poetic on taking risks, being a better man, and how a good bump to the head can change your frequency for the better. Full transparency, this audio was not initially recorded as a podcast, so we apologize for the less than perfect sound quality. Without further ado, we bring you Matthew McConaughey. In physically creating this book, pulling out all these journals, I'm wondering if you went through these journals and said, oh, this this was a this is a gold mine. I was onto something here. And were there other parts where it might have been interesting at the time, but not useful to you now? Like what what was going through that very material? Yeah. Look, I mean there was some stuff in there that I'm like, oh, okay. You thought that was really something special. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, give, give, give me a break. Or yeah. or I saw very juvenile passionate excerpts that I'm like, right. All right, okay, you you great self expression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you grading it as you go along? <laughs> you know, um, and then I but then mostly what I saw was I'm still interested in saying that in fifty one that I was at fourteen. Yeah. I'm still asking those consistent existential questions. Yeah. Who am I? What are we doing here? What's my relationship with the world? What what's it all mean? Uh, I always, even from that early on to early stage, been trying to look at the long view, trying to say, well, what is it? What's the big picture? What's really important? What really matters? Yeah. Uh, uh, what is me? What? Am, who am I? What's my dance in this relationship with the world? Yeah. Relationships and careers and jobs and relationship with myself. Yeah. Uh, and the book in that way is really about relationships with our world, with our spouses, our children, with ourselves, with our friends. With our failures, with our successes, it's about relationships. Yeah. Um, so for the most part, I was able to see that I was surprised that even though I may have, may have written about it in more juvenile ways, I was still asking. And I remember even at times when I was younger, writing stuff down, going like, "Oh man, it's like kind of barbaric or banal or it's haphazard mm-hmm. and it's not really." And I was like. Fine, don't go correct. I remember even early on, I was like, don't go correct and write it better now. Yeah. Back then, I would even say that, don't write it better. I'm still trying to practice that say, don't try and write it better now. Put the raw, put the raw feeling down. And that raw feeling at 2 a.m. on Saturday night can be the idea that spurs, oh, well, now let me deconstruct that and contextualize that into something that is true for me, but also can be maybe put out there to be adapted by someone else that can be understood by more people yeah. as well as being more personal at the same time. Yeah. You know, you started these journals pretty early. Were you ever chastised by friends or anything like that for, for, for journaling? Like, I just... Yeah, no, I mean, I wasn't. I didn't... I had a pretty good, pretty good thick skin early on about kind of not giving a damn about that stuff, but yeah, a guy at 14 journaling in a yeah. so-called diary, you know, even to call it a diary over a journal would almost be deemed back then, or even some, in some ways today, less of a masculine. Book. Right, exactly. You know, I did. I, I never really gave, gave a shit yeah. uh, when I really thought about it. Um, and, you know, 
yeah, did I start off writing my journals about things like, you know, why did Gretchen break up with me? My mm-hmm. heart's broken. Why do I have all these pimples on my face? Sure. Yeah. But I continued to write. And, you know, as most people do, you initially go to a journal and even consistently go to journals when you're dealing with confusion or there's a problem you want to solve or you're questioning why this or that or the other. And it's a great sort of outlet to do that with. But it's also a great outlet to, to write things down when I talk about the science of satisfaction, to write things down when you are on frequency, uh-huh. when your relationships in life are good, when your relationship with yourself is good, when you feel like you are catching green lights. Write then, too. Mm-hmm. Because I know I was able to go back in life, and when I got in a rut again, which inevitably always happens, and go back and look at those times when I was dissecting success and say, oh, what were your habits? Who were you hanging out with? What were you drinking? What were you eating? How much sleep were you getting? Where were you going? And notice, oh, you know what? You've taken a couple of these habits for granted. You haven't been practicing them. Why don't you go back to making a list of what you have to do tomorrow, the day before? Why don't you go back to starting off the day with 10 minutes with yourself in quiet time, thinking about your day? And, 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 and that will take a lot of stress off from, from the day because you have a bit of a plan. Um, and I was able to recalibrate. Yeah. Times when I was in a rut, they helped me get out of a rut by dissecting and looking at times, things I'd written in my journal, times when I was doing well and had written down tips and clues, things I was doing, habits that informed why I was doing well. Do you consider like journal writing one of the, I mean, that just seems like a you took a bet, you took a gamble on that, and it just seems like it has been very valuable to you. I didn't know. I mean, I had a hunch it might pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I didn't, I, I didn't really go back and look at the journals until I went away from the way to write, write a book. And as I wrote earlier in the book, I never, I don't write things down. For the most part, I don't write things down to remember them. I write them down so I can forget them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you and I are having a conversation now, you say something, I'm going to cool, I'm going to reach over and grab the phone and write it down and tell you, look, I'm not calling somebody else. I'm actually writing something down you said that I think I can, I can deconstruct or, or expound on. Yeah. And I want to write it down now so I'm not sitting here through the rest of the interview going in this year, half listening to you, but half going, don't forget you. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I write it down so I can go, oh, I can look at that tonight when I go yeah. to bed and write more on it yeah. um, or tomorrow or whatever that is. Um, yeah. So I write it down so I can forget it. I didn't, I didn't go back and look at my journals a lot. I did in some aspects, like I said earlier, where I went back and saw times where I was successful and was on frequency and was able to recalibrate um, times that I was not. But mostly I was just like, Look, I've written it and writing this stuff down. I'm curious to see if there's a consistent thread later in life. And at 48, I was got the courage up to go say, well, let's go see if there is a thread. Yeah. In the past 48 years. Can I ask you about the treehouse? Yeah. How did you haul wood 100 feet in the air? <laughs> I had um, a couple ways to do it. One, I had the pulley that I would keep moving up yeah. ended up being the pulley I would take my lunch up with. But had had the pulley with which I would get like the two by fours and 
and pulling them up to the next level. Yeah. Slowly start stacking wood on that level and move them up level to level yeah. to keep building forward. Um, you know, I also like plywood. I would cut like a hole in a piece of plywood, put the rope to a plywood, take that over a limb and hoist up the plywood to the to the, high, the highest level I could get to. Yeah. Lay it down and then start work from there. Yeah. So are your kids going to ever see this uh, mastery? <laughs> I, I mean, no, I doubt it's even there anymore. Longview's been developed. I wonder, you know, I guarantee you got a backyard, though. Somebody had had to have at least crossed that, walk through that the woods, either in construction of mm-hmm. an apartment complex later in life or somewhere, and said, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, right. With nobody, as far as I know, ever saw it. My dad didn't. I never had one friend out there either. Yeah, that sounds like a lonely summer, uh, but it seems very important in terms of your overall outlook and... And growth. Yeah. Well, I had a... You know how fun it is to have a secret. You know? That summer, I guess, I haven't thought about it until now. That summer, in a lot of ways, was very much like the book. Yeah. Salesman Coral. That book found me. It was my secret. Mm -hmm. My personal adventure. No teacher told me I had to read it. Nobody gave it to me and said, you've got to read this book. So it was mine. Right. And that gave me... Gave it more credit, almost, to, to... for me. Well, that summer, that tree house, the fact that I was sneaking out at night to get to get steal the wood, and then getting up once I had enough wood to start building it all summer. I mean, I looked, the summer was mostly building the damn thing. I didn't get to actually get on the 13th floor yeah. and overlook Longview many days at all. Right. But I guess, end of the but I've always been like that, too. I've always been the guy who likes making the sandwich more than I like eating it. I yeah. like <laughs> making it more than I like washing it. Right. Yeah. You know, I like the construction, the approach, the building of things even more than I like the final product. Yeah. In the acknowledgments of the book, you mentioned that you thank some friends for maybe sending back poems or things that you had maybe sent them. Is that what? I, is that the right characterization? No, I think I think I thanked. Um, I think what you're talking about. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is I'm saying thank you to friends who gave me poems that I did not know I wrote. Exactly, right. Yeah. So what did you what did you mean there? That means literally there are things I've said that other people felt like, oh, I'm gonna write that down what he just said. I completely forgot to set up. Or they were sometimes even a malaprop. Yeah. That I said something and they thought that was really funny and they come up and oh and I go Oh, that didn't mean what I meant to say. No, what I actually said. Right. And I'm like going, actually, the mouth prop's funnier. Thank you. Yeah. That's it. So that's when they're writing it on the little notebook to remember later or, you know, tell you They that. would, yeah. and then later in life came and gave me stuff. Or I have, I have friends that I've crossed, and I'm, I'm talking to them about life or something, and they tell me something I'm going, and I go, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right there. Thank you. And they go, well, you should know what that is. Yeah. I go, why? And they go, you wrote that. Man. You said that. Yeah. I wrote that down six years ago in a conversation we had. And I'm like, I did? And they're like, yes. I'm like, going, okay, geez, thank you. I forgot. I, ne- I forgot that one. I never even remembered it. I didn- when did I say that? And they'll yeah. tell me, take me back to the time. It was the time I was actually, you were helping me out with something, Matthew, and you said this to me and it really helped me out. And I just gave you back. Something you gave me that now you forgot you even said it. And I'm like, oh, thank you. 
you gave me back a poem I did not even remember I wrote. Right. Um, there's a couple cool choices I thought, I, editorial choices I thought I saw, and, and, and number one was you don't really name drop. You have celebrity friends, famous friends, but they don't show up in this book, number one. Number two, when we get to the Academy Award, you dispatch with it. You dispatch it within a paragraph, um, which maybe another other biographies would consider that worthy sure. of a chapter, you know? Um, was that a conscious choice? Yeah, well, it was conscious. It was, look, it's a, there's a few choices in here that I made. For instance, I've been asked, hey, you tell us you were molested, you lost your, your virginity being black belt in one sense. You don't get it. I'm like, yeah. Not sure, yeah. How do you think constructive to share from those stories? Mm. And I also am aware enough in the world we live in today that if I do go into that, those details are going to be in the headline. Mm. That's going to be the clickbait. I get it. And I'm like, well, that's not what the book is. So I'm not going to go into that. Yeah. So I, and I deliberately did not share details on that for those two reasons. Yeah. How do I not include friends, uh, which I have a lot of, you know, Hollywood tales? Because um, again, that's going to be the clickbait. That's the typical Hollywood expectation of a memoir of someone in Hollywood. And I've got a lot of those stories to tell, but those are not my stories to tell. I mean, they're, they're not. There are other people that I know that are in positions that then they're going to get the call. They're going to get asked about it. Right. And that's not, I'm not looking to throw something else on someone else that maybe really wouldn't my story to tell. Right. Um, nor even if I, well, most of them, if I called those friends and said, do you mind if I tell them, they'd probably go, yeah, please tell it. Mm-hmm. But, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the point. Um, it, you know, this is, there's, there's not that much about Hollywood in here. There are going right. to long specifics about Dallas Fires, which I thought was interesting about my process. Right. And, um, but, and we get some, we, we get some Chateau Marmont, uh, phase in there, which I hadn't heard about. Yeah. Well, that was a, you know, that was a couple of years. Again, there's stories in there that are not my story to tell. Mm-hmm. There are other people involved. I think in that. you say that's that. That's why too. there's, there's a, you know, as I've said before, that's why there's, if it's, if it's a, um, if uh, two people are amiable and agree on whatever their their actions are going to be, their intimacies are going to be, well, then that's why there's bedroom, there's doors on bedroom door on veterans. Yeah. You know, it's nobody's business. Um, I'm not, I, that would have felt irresponsible to me. That would have felt uh, um, cheap. Yeah. It would have felt like trespassing in a place that it's not my place to trespass by sharing information like right. that. Um, it's really nobody else's business. Yeah. Um, the Academy Award stuff. I mean, that story's been told. It was, you know, the, the what I said in my acceptance speech has been written about. Decomposed, uh, deconstructed, right. put it put back out there, put into songs and things like totally. that. Totally, and it's I, cool to see it. It's cool to see just the note. You know, it's like it was cool. That's that was. I think that my hope is that that's more. Uh, I don't know, dynamic, more applicable. If you can go, oh, that came from three little bullet points. Yeah, it was amazing. That's it was such that's a cool super, choice. That, that's that came from. And if I want to know what it was actually said. I don't need to write that. Hell, I can go on YouTube and hear it. Or I can read it. Totally. Pull it up. Good point. 
Um, in the book, you say that it's not a risk unless it's a fight you can lose. Am I yeah. saying that correctly? So, are you planning on taking any risks in the near future, where you can, where you well, could lose? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've taken, I think, a, a fair amount of risk, but I'd like to take more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing. The risk that I take now, I have more, I have things that I've built that I'm not willing to put at risk. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's, I mean, family, I got three children. Right. No wife, right? Those are things that are non-negotiable. I've, I've built those things. I'm not going, I've got a career that I've built. I'm not, so the risk I take now, I have to, in context, I have to contextualize, well, what, how much are they at risk? Is, is the risk first reward of the choice I'm going to make moving forward, the risk I want to take, jeopardizing any of those? Well, some of those are non-negotiable, and if I feel like some of those can be jeopardized, I'm like, no, no. Right. Um, so I have to contextualize my risk more than I maybe I used to when I was just a single man, where it's like, dude, if you fail, it's only on me. Mm-hmm. And if you succeed, it's only on me. That's yeah. much easier. You're supporting yourself. I'll, 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 I'll take the consequences, whatever they are, because they only affect me. Well, now, risk I take can affect more people and more things that I've built, um, which I don't want to be foolish with. Yeah. Um, but yes, I do want to, uh, I am going to continue. I need to continue to take risk in the future. Um, you know, but I, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to spend more time on going again, as I finish the book with what are my legacy choices? Mm-hmm. What are the, what are the risks that I go, even if you fail, You can stand behind taking that risk. Yeah. Because um, I'm not as afraid of failure as maybe I used to be. Hmm. I still, I still, still don't like it. Still right. I'm afraid of it, but I'm not afraid of failure as I used to be. Um, so in that way, in that way, maybe that gives me more courage. But I'm also not going to be foolish with with what I, with what I built. Right. You know, um, to put those to put those things at risk. But I do. I'll be taking more risk here in the, in, in the future. Um, that'll be by what I do do and what I don't do. Yeah. You uh, you mentioned in the book that you you know coined the term reconnaissance. 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 Yeah. Can you put a name on the current period we're in? <laughs> <laughs> Twenty twenty sounds twenty twenty vision that we see so clearly. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, that jackknife, didn't it? But let me jump forward, man. Yeah. I, I do think we're gonna, in many ways, look back at twenty twenty as the year where we cleared up our vision quite a bit. Yeah. By what we've had to sacrifice and what was disrupted this year. Yeah. Um, as far as me in this time, um, myself and I think everybody to some extent has been reminded through this time that, hey, it's live. Mm-hmm. The life we're living is it's live. Yeah. I mean, just when we thought. We kind of had this thing on Memorex. Yeah, I got it going. <laughs> and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
place live, disruption came. Yeah. Uh, um, and forced us into a winter. Yeah. In March. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. Forced us to go, whoa, what do I value? Well, oh, I'm stripped down to my necessities. I don't have access like I used to have. I'm stuck with me. Dang, I'm around my family more. Maybe they even need some people around the family more than they even want to be. Um, forced to do some inventory. And in doing that, you're forced to go, again, ask ourselves, what is it we value? How much are we going to change coming out of this time when we re-engage freely again? Yeah. How much will we have changed? How much will we snap right back, as humans can do? And just so forget right about back it. Now, you yeah. Start. yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I, I think it was maybe Lance Armstrong's podcast. Maybe it was a while ago you were on, and you kind of said something interesting about thinking about this in terms of a multi-year event, not something that's going to end soon. And, you know, with this vaccine coming out, are you kind of changing your outlook? You know, are we going to, are you recalibrating what your next couple of years look like now? Or do you still think this is a... For me, I sure... Hope and at present, I believe this is just going to change the way I engage and go about life for the rest of time. Yeah. Um, there are many assets to this remote meetings. Mm-hmm. We're at a time we prove, we're proving it that, hey man, you got 5G, go live wherever you want to on the globe. Yeah. Go live in, in, in the jungle. It doesn't matter. You, you, you can choose wherever you want. You got 5G. Where am I? I don't know. Where are you? That's where I am. Yeah. Anywhere you want to be. Right. Uh, morning, yesterday, I'm in, I'm in the UK at 9 a.m. I'm in New I'm in New York at 10. I'm in LA at 11. I'm finished with LA at 11.59. And at 12 o'clock, I'm in, I'm in the next room having lunch with my family. Yeah. I just trapped the world before noon, and I'm sitting there with my family at noon. I didn't have to go to the green room. I didn't have to travel. I didn't have to change wardrobe. I didn't have to do sit and wait wait around. Pop, pop, pop. I love that efficiency. Yeah. Other companies are seeing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So in some version, you're able to be a nomad in in, in, in in business. I know in some ways in some ways I am, um, and I, I'm not going to go back. Yeah. To 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 travel to physically be in the places maybe that I uh, you know before before COVID. If we didn't do this in person, it was kind of one of us was dissing the other. <laughs> uh-huh. We didn't think right. it was important enough yeah. to be there in person. Well, shoot, man, I'd rather do this. Like I said, for those reasons, I can pop out of here when I say goodbye. I'm going to go hang out with my kids. Yeah. I walked in there from hanging out with my kids 30 seconds before I popped on with you. Yeah. Luxury. Um, so in a lot of ways, we are living in the future. This is the future. Yeah. Uh, um. And we've, we've proven that in some ways, mobility, you can get as much done, even more done, some companies have noticed, and that they're even more efficient, yeah. and that, that we are more adaptable, and work workforces are more adaptable than maybe we gave them credit for. Yeah. That the same amount of work can be done, that content can be created. I think the, uh, um, the, the value of the content's got improved. Yeah. I mean, he, Whatever this backdrop is, or hey, I don't like that hot spot of sunlight in that direction. Right? <laughs> That's not, you're not in Austin, I take it. The value of of a can, you know, uh, can get better. Um, 
you know, but some ways, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this, I'm taking this into, into the future. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's places I'm going to need to be in person. There are places in there's towns like, you know, that are hosp- big hospitality towns that need the person to person contact. Um, but I know for a lot of my work, yeah. No, and hey, we may see maybe some of the best scripts and entertainment ever has been written during this time where people were forced to stay in work and couldn't yeah. go out and actually make the movie or tell the story. Right. Uh, could look at it and go, actually, it was a golden age of art because art was created. The inception of great stories were, were being written or conceived during this time. Yeah. Did writing this book, you know, at the end you kind of mentioned that the exercise of writing this book was essentially for yourself on, on some level. Yeah. Um, how, how will writing that book change how you approach your life moving forward? Well, hopefully I've crystallized and made some contracts with myself in the writing of it. Mm-hmm. I know, as you asked me earlier, did I go back to something I was, wow, surprised about not now. What do you think? I was like, wow, I can't believe I never had any idea. There were some, like the 10 goals, but in writing it, I was putting it to the page, just like inherently journaling is in its inception. You're making a bit of a, so you're making a bit of a contract with yourself. Mm-hmm. I made some contracts with myself. Yeah, that's right. We're still working on that one, Matthew. Let's mm-hmm. double down on that. That one still holds true, that prescribe or mm-hmm. the way you feel about this. Now then to share it with the world and see how it translates. Now I'm making contract with you. Now, and I say that in the book, hey, part of this is so if I get out of line, you can nudge me. Yeah. And if you prescribe to this book, I can help nudge you. And we've started a conversation. You have an expectancy. Yeah. And I would like to do my best to uphold. And if I'm not, I appreciate a little nudge. Yeah. Back in the right direction. Um, and so, you know, we, we're, we're in a time where we, we need some more social contracts. Yeah. With others and ourselves. And to whatever extent, me writing these words down and sharing them with someone who goes, oh, yeah, that, that I, I get that. I get that particularly in my life. It's your, that was your story, but it reminded me of this story in my life. And I'm going to now remember to, to follow through on this thing that helped me get out of a crisis before that I forgot about. That, well, we start, that, that, that's, that's, a good, that's a good contract to make. And, again, sharing the book, now I'm kind of making certain contracts with the reader. Right. Because they know, yeah, they know the information. This is uh, this is kind of out of left field, but in the book you mention falling out of trees several times, hitting your head. I have a friend who swears when he got hit on the head during a baseball game when he was like 13, everything changed, and he became just hilarious and funny. And I'm I'm wondering if perhaps the frequency you're on was adjusted by one of those falls. That'd be kind of cool. Hey, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll, I, I can't say, I can't say it wasn't, never thought about it, but, you know, sometimes a good bump to the head can, 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 can rearrange our frequency in, in good, in good ways. I, uh, um, 
I had it reminds me of this story of this cat I met in uh, in Australia shooting fool's gold. We, met, like, we lived on this really carny beach where I was shooting, and my neighbor was this really name is uh, Chris Kringle. Chris Kringle. He had a bird. He'd come home every day, and he had these really great JBL speakers. <laughs> and he had like monster cable. He had like a hundred foot of monster cable. Yeah. Right. And you know how much a large speaker, no matter how good they sound, those little those little speakers sound, they don't sound as good as a big one. Right. Totally. Every day, clockwork. And you get home three o'clock. Slowly take his time, walk those speakers all the way from his house, all the way to the beach where he had his one chair set. He yeah. set one up right here, and he walked back and the other set up right here. Yeah, stereo, of course. Crank up his music and sit there on the beach and look out there with these two speakers just cranking every day and sit out there until the sun went down and then well after. Well, he had a friend, his name was Curly or something. Curly is a guy who had had a lot of. Uh, this wild guy, but you could tell he had one of those brains that, boy, if you got it in the right place, he, 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 he might be a rocket scientist, right? And his whole story was he'd gone in and out of mental hospitals until one day Chris Kringle gave him mushrooms. <laughs> and he remembered, like, Mike, it was like all the tentacles in the head. It was like they were all like this, and then all of a sudden, they all. <laughs> And from that day on, been fine. Never did mushrooms again. Never went to another psychiatric ward for any anything. And was a successful guy. And he traces it back to that one time he did shrooms. Yeah, genius. All the tentacles in my head, like <laughs> that, all just reconnected. So all that, that that cured him over all the therapy and everything I said. Yeah, you know, me falling out of one of those trees. Did uh. Yeah. Did uh, did this guy in Australia was was there a little piece of him in Moondog? Yeah, yeah, especially Chris Kringle. Yeah. yeah. He's one of, he's one of the many uh cats I've met along the way that I incorporated into Moondog. Yeah. Yeah. What did Camilla think of Moondog? She loved Moondog, man. Yeah. <laughs> the kids loved Moondog too. I mean Moondog and Kitty Wells from Gold. Yeah. Those would be my favorite characters I played to my family, especially my kids. Is there, who do you seek advice from now? Are there people that you look to for advice, or at this point, are you just on your own? I'm on my own trip, but I'm on with, I, 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 I don't really go to people for advice as much as, I do have a group of men that I, stay in contact with mm-hmm. that are in my industry, outside of my industry, do different things, have succeeded in different fields, have succeeded and or failed and in relationships and are honest about why they failed, have succeeded succeeded as fathers and they are clear why. And we get together and we talk, we talk about life. How can we be better and more true people? How can we better be more true men? What are, what should, what, 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 what should we expect from each other as men and as people? Um, so they're interested in the same questions that I am. Uh, and, and we discuss those. And we have Jeffersonian dinners where topics are brought up and you have six minutes to, you know, discuss a topic. Um, and it, it, it's, 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 
men from differing backgrounds and different views. It's men from the far left, it's men from the far right. Different political views, different denominations, and we come together and discuss subjects and without condemnation, and we hash it out and try to find those common denominators of what it is we should be able to trust each other for and what we should be able to expect and what we need to work harder at. Um, I actually would love to have a create like a, a, a fraternity of men um, with sort of unsaid unsaid constitution of what we should expect from each other, how to uh, um, be, you know, uh, be the right kind of knights, how to be, uh, how, how to take the responsibility in the work that it takes to be a father mm-hmm. more seriously, how to take the responsibilities that it takes to, 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 be the right kind of husbands, the best and truest husbands we can be. Um, and uh, um, that's, that's, who, uh, that's who I really, uh, I don't have someone that I go to for advice. i got many people that know me well and that I've shared myself with, and they've shared themselves with me, that I'm going through it with, you know, right. talking about. Right. Where are we going? What are we doing here? What's the real purpose here? What really matters? How much money is enough? For some of these people that are very affluent, what's the, what are we doing? Does it make sense to chase a number? What do you, right. you know, what do you really value in, in, in life? What do you want to leave behind when we're gone from this life? What do we want to be said at our eulogies? You know what I mean? Um, and then what are the, what are, and in what ways are those, some of those ideas, as I said earlier, radical in ways? Yeah. And yet, and in what ways are they, do we preserve traditions, but not for nostalgia's sake, but because it's actually worth preserving? In what ways do we embrace change? Right. Not progress sake, not say yes to everything. If you say yes to everything, then you're kind of not about anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, not, you know, how are we, how are we, how, how are we different, but not eccentric for eccentricity's sake? Um, and I'm always, you know, one of the base words is always, what's constructive? What are the constructive things we can do? And, um, you know, asking those questions like, well, you know what? Hey, how many summers do we have left? Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's people that I go to talk to that are help, that like to talk about the perspective and the long view, the yeah. long view. What are we doing? What are we doing here? Yeah. I'm thinking about life. And it's not overly serious stuff. It's fun. You know, we talk about fun stuff. We laugh our asses off. It's right. not overly, we're not, we're not, we're not buddy duds at all. It's just talking about, you know, what are we building? Where are we going? What, what, what really matters to us? Are these on Zoom? Are they dinners? Or what are, what can you say about them? Well, before they were in person dinners. Now mm-hmm. they're Zooms. Yeah. We've covered what I want to cover. Um, except if there's any, like, projects upcoming that you want to mention. That are in the pipeline, no, that aren't on your IMDb that we don't know about and maybe should, or that you're no, excited about. No, nothing's set in stone yet. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm circling a couple of projects, but it's going to have to be really tasty to get me to quit playing the character I'm playing right now. Mm-hmm. You like this guy. Yeah. 
24-7, man. You know, the, the, the record button is always on. <laughs> awesome. Action, action was called one time. Yeah. No, no, the 4th, 1969. Cut will be called one time. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I'm liking. I'm liking this take. I love it, and I love you know one of the the best. You know, I wrote this down. I love this in the book where you just say you, you begin with the end in mind, and you can apply that to so many different scenarios. Uh, yeah. So it's such a cool thing. Um, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of One on One. Don't forget to subscribe and come back for more exclusive interviews. 